Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Is. Em, I can't even contain myself. I am so excited to talk about Ultimate Girls Trip. I feel like this is my life's calling. It is all I want to talk about and all I want to watch for the rest of my life. I know we're dramatic a lot, or specifically I am dramatic a lot, but honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I think this is the happiest and best that I've ever felt watching a premiere of a show in my entire life. Okay. Whoa. Huge <laughs> statement. Like huge statement. Huge but, if true. <laughs> yeah. Huge if true. But also I was sitting next to you, which I think this is an important picture that we need to paint for you guys. So on Tuesday night, Isabel and I were invited by Peacock to the premiere and we're sitting there. We're already in heaven because at these things, you're just surrounded by other people who appreciate Bravo in the same exact way that you are. And so we get there. We're already on cloud nine show starts going. We're all losing it. We're cheering. We're so happy to be back at Bluestone Manor. All the OGs on our screen. We feel like it's a dream. Next thing you fucking know, Donald Adler, also known as at the Prima Donald on Instagram, comes out and says, and by the way, guys, I have a surprise for you. And little do you know, every single one of the housewives walks out and we are just looking at them in the flesh. I turned to Isabel and I was like, are we dreaming? It was just a euphoric experience. Not only to watch this episode in a live crowd experience, like you said, where everyone's cheering, everyone's laughing, everyone knows all the references. And the amount of times that Emma and I turned to each other while we're watching this premiere episode, just being like, oh my God, holy shit, grabbing each other. I had whiplash. So to watch (laughs) it in that way, as though we were watching the Super Bowl in like a sports bar was insane. (laughs) So then for them all to walk out in full glam after we've just seen the most iconic premiere ever and getting like reacquainted with all of them and to see them interacting in the flesh was, oh, it was a dream come true. 
It was really one of the first times that I fully felt like I had a deep, true understanding of what people must feel like watching sports. And I think we've said that (laughs) before. No, I think we've made that reference before, but this was really, in my opinion, the equivalent of a sports bar experience. Like you said, it was was kind of like how people would cheer for a touchdown or... or (laughs) A goal, whatever, whatever else it. it is they have. <laughs> yeah, this that was this. It's like you see Dorinda open up the gates of Bluestone Manor, and the crowd goes fucking wild. And it felt so good to be amongst our people. And wait, this was the funniest thing. So we each got a plus one. So I brought Julie, and Isabel brought her sister, and we're sitting in the last row. Isabel and I are sitting next to each other, and they all come out, and you know they're just talking to the crowd. And Dorinda's like, "All right, I want to get a clip all together." And she puts her hands up, and we're all like, "Clip, clip, clip!" And Isabel turns to Julie because <laughs> Julie has never watched a Bravo show in her life. She, she's like, do you feel like you're in a cult right now? I was like, we are all hands in the air going clip, clip, <laughs> clip. And like everyone's laughing and cheering. And I turned to Julie and I'm like, what do you feel like is going on? Like I would do anything to see this from your eyes. And she was just happy to be there. You know, she's happy if we're happy, but yeah. <laughs> God, it was so fun and funny. And The energy of watching the episode was like, we would have had fun no matter if it was great or not great. But because that episode was, all all three of the first episodes so far are incredible, but something about the premiere, the editing, and when they pull up a web of how all the women are connected and seeing all of them, like old clips and iconic lines from all of them. Oh my God, that was a feeling that I just don't think I'll ever be able to recreate. I'm going to be chasing it for a while, truly. I really am. <laughs> I really am. I mean, listen, I know, I can tell it's not just us because based on our DMs, people are losing it over the show. Losing it. And it really was a joy. And honestly, I don't even think you can compare it to season one of Ultimate Girls Trip because there's so many different factors. But the casting alone for this trip was I would say impeccable. I wouldn't make one change. The dynamics, but then also each woman individually, what she brings is truly like a a genius work of art. No, the casting here was spectacular. And I agree with you. There's no sense in comparing the two necessarily. They both exist separately. But if you were to, this one blows it out of the water as far as I'm concerned. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, there's a lot of other factors, casting obviously being number one, but I love it being at Dorinda's house. So there's this sense of like almost a hierarchy of Dorinda and the history that the house holds and also all of the women being old seasoned ex-housewives. So that dynamic and just, it is like the joy I felt watching it, even watching three episodes I felt like that's it. I, I could watch for six more hours. I know. And there's so much here. I'm trying to think even how I want to process it. But first thing coming to my mind that I want to get across is I felt very vindicated in the fact that the second Tamara left OC, I understood why, but I knew I was going to miss her and having her back on my screen. And you could argue this about some of the other women as well. Obviously, we'll get into Dorinda and Jill Zarin and all of that. But to me, there is something about Tamara where she was born to be a housewife. And it just felt really good to see her back in her element because you could tell she was really enjoying it. Something I wasn't expecting was that Taylor Armstrong is sort of like the voice of reason in the house. I would say her and Eva. So then I'm happy that the two of them are really forming a friendship and getting along because 
they are sort of the guiding light of the whole situation, but also are able to bring like a little drama and a little crazy, which is a really hard thing to walk. And we haven't seen Taylor in so long. Like I fucking missed her and she hasn't changed at all. To be honest with you, I can't say I actively miss Taylor. I don't feel like when I'm watching Beverly Hills, I'm longing for her presence. However, I was so pleasantly surprised and felt very nostalgic seeing her. I think for me, the thing that took me off guard is that she's kind of an OC member. Like technically, if she were to be recast, she would probably be recast on Real Houses of Orange County. And call me crazy, but I feel like we're seeing a potential future Real Houses of Orange County of Heather Dubrow, Tamara, Vicky, Taylor, Noella, Emily and Gina, Emily or Gina and Shannon. I know it's a large cast, but I feel like if we brought back Tamara, Vicky and Taylor, we could really be going somewhere. You know, you've actually piqued my interest. That could be a good way to bring OC back back to life for their second chance. I feel like OC is a cat that has nine lives. Right. We're on like life number three or four at this point, but you know what? And it doesn't hurt to try something new. No, it doesn't. I'm, I'm going to combust if we don't talk about Brandy. It's really important to me. Holy fuck. <laughs> Holy fuck. Like, wait. I, I need to say my overarching thought, which is, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed every single moment of watching this woman on my TV. She is off her rocker, but I don't even care. That being said, I feel like we have finally found the formula in terms of Bravo slash Peacock that works for her. Because even just in these three episodes, you are hyper aware of the fact that an entire season of her is exhausting for everybody involved, for her, for the cast, for the viewer, for the producers. It's too much. But throw her in for a seven episode series and we are cruising. Stuck in a house with a bunch of women who she hasn't freshly pissed off yet and a lot of booze. Are you kidding me? I saw this tweet today by Ryan Tweets that said, Brandy Glanville was created in a lab for reality TV and for that I am grateful. And honestly, I think that just sums it up. She's crazy. She's exactly who she was, but also with a little bit of a twist now because we haven't seen her in so long. She's in a new dynamic, but acting in her old ways. And then the tailor of it all to bring back the nostalgia and dig up old issues. Oh, I, everything that came out of her mouth through all three episodes, I couldn't believe. And I'm not like super buttoned up. I'm down for whatever, but I literally couldn't believe that someone exists like her. When she looked Taylor in the eyes repeatedly and said that the season that Taylor's husband committed suicide was the hardest year of her life, I was waiting. I was waiting for the moment to be caught and for her to get it. And she never came around. And then I remembered, this is Brandy. I mean, I, I, the list goes on and we've only been there for three days when she made that comment about Eva's husband. Then she makes the comment to the chef and her husband when they're at like that haunted mansion having dinner about her being a lesbian, which also is kind of funny because when we saw that in the trailer of Phaedra saying, what about that woman made you think she was lesbian? And Brandy says her eyebrows, everyone automatically assumed that she was talking about Denise Richards, mm -hmm. but she wasn't like she was talking about this random chef that she just like picked out of a crowd to talk about. Everything that she says is absolutely outrageous. And these women who don't know her or haven't watched her seasons are probably like, is this real? Am I hallucinating right now? Well, that's what I'm saying. If you're with her for an extended period of time, I have to imagine it really is exhausting. That's why when they're sitting in that haunted mansion, Jill Zarin is having the time of her life because she can appreciate the comedy of it all. Like she truly views 
Brandy's presence as a dinner and a show, and the show is Brandy. And that's really fun. When you're forced to film with someone for an entire season, that fun gets lost, you know, quite quickly. So I, I just could not get enough of her in this setting. And I really felt also she knew she was there for a week. She was going to bring it. And I mean, she so shamelessly brought it. That's what's crazy is like, I think Jill is sitting there knowing I don't have to be friends with this woman after this if I don't want to. She's not now in my circle or one of my, quote, friends that I am now lumped together with. I don't have to invite her to my home. Those stakes are so low for all of them. They are there to make eight days of incredible television. So Jill, who, you know, is a living, breathing QVC, as we all know, is probably like, holy fuck, this is going to be such a high-rated show. But when Brandy comes after you, you don't remember that this is like trying to be TV. You take it personally because she's very biting. She's very biting. And I think that I almost have two parts of myself when I watch the way the women react to her. Because on one hand, I'm like, you guys got to just acknowledge this is her. Don't take it personally. At the same time, I have to imagine it's jarring. Like as much as me sitting here wants to be like, is Brandy Glanville telling you to shut the fuck up really the biggest deal? In the moment, it's it's very unsettling when someone yells that at you, even if that's their style. So I kind of understand why they all take such offense to it. Right. Like something about Brandy saying shut the fuck up or calling someone a bitch is different than actually calling someone a bitch or actually telling them to shut the fuck up. It sort of just flies off her tongue. But that's not like a justification. It just transported me back. Like I felt like I was sitting around a dinner table with the original Beverly Hills woman. And that's a feeling that you really, really can't recreate. But all of a sudden, it felt very nostalgic, old school housewives, just the entire vibe of the show. I know that they have a few of them like a glam squad and they're fully getting made up and whatever. But I do think that this really brings out that unfiltered, relaxed, real version of them where they're stuck in the house. They're putting on white pajamas. They're all taking naps. They have to live in peace. And it is really like the essence of what the old shows were like that we are constantly craving in these newer seasons. And as they bring on new women that are too educated in the show. No, very much so. And the other thing I was thinking about in terms of the casting being so supreme is that I remember when Ultimate Girls Trip Season 1 came out, something that we were saying is that it almost had the vibe of Miami in terms of like the editing and the way that it was produced. The saturation was over the top. It was bright. It was beautiful. You felt like you were really on the island. And in so many ways, Turks and Caicos being the backdrop positively contributed to the show. You know, maybe the drama could be a little bit less. They were in this stunning backdrop. And not to say the Bluestone Manor is not stunning. It's absolutely beautiful. But you don't have that same vacation feel. So the cast really needs to bring it. Like you can exist with slightly less drama when you're in Turks and Caicos or on a yacht in, in Mexico, wherever it is, versus you're at a house we're all very familiar with, which brings with it a certain sense of nostalgia totally. But we've been in that living room many times, so you really need to bring it. And they fucking did. And it really fosters this environment of like a camp sleepover. Like they are all in the house. They do not have their own suites in this huge villa with room service and, you know, glam and whatever. Like this is a full on slumber party. And I think that that just adds so much to the dynamic of them cohabitating and living together and figuring everything out. But I also have to say the producers and I guess Dorinda, whatever like hand she had in it too, 
putting together the activities and the itineraries and the events have done a really good job because obviously there's like such a fourth wall break. We know that they have to plan things for them. You know, Dorinda's not just setting up a huge relay race housewives themed in her backyard, but everything feels just like fun and funny and easy and brings out natural things out of them that we maybe wouldn't get. But even like throwing them into town while they shop brings us so much great content. And it's like, they don't even have to do that much. They are just each interesting and funny on their own. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? I mean, I I don't feel like we fully digested Brandy and it's important to me that we go back to that for a second. I can't lie to you as much as the majority of what comes out of her mouth, I do find to be jarring and at times highly offensive if I was on the receiving end. I really agree with Dorinda and Tamara when they say that inside is a very sweet girl. I don't believe that Brandy is a bad person. I really don't. I think she's highly damaged and I think that she is very reactive and clearly needs a little bit of help and guidance in terms of how to process her emotions. I think the reason I'm able to enjoy her is because I don't view her as a true villain. I just view her as a kind of misguided soul. I think Brandy is the kind of person where she'll say something like so fucked up and it goes one of two ways. Either she doesn't even realize how fucked up it is or doesn't think that it's something bad. Or she goes back to her room and like, you know, slaps herself and is like, why the fuck did I say that? Like, that was so like, she almost can't control herself. So in terms of Taylor, I mean, that stuff is just delusional. I think like she's not really giving an apology. She keeps going in circles. She doesn't even see how she's behaving or how she comes across. But then other things like yelling, shut the fuck up or getting in these fights. I think she exhausts herself. She's like, oh, why did I have to do that? It's like an angel and a devil on her shoulder or this little like voice in the back of her head that she can't get rid of. It's just her instinct. And then later when she processes it, she's like, God, I wish I wasn't like that. Well, I think that was on display the most when she got into that little tiff with Eva because Eva's the last person you want to fuck with here. She just genuinely brings such a calming, enjoyable vibe. And I think that Brandy not only enjoyed it, but also really benefited from it. Like in a lot of ways, Eva was the one standing up for her and kind of having her back. And even then she just puts her foot in her mouth. And I don't think that that's intentional. I don't think any part of her wanted to be in a fight with Eva. I I genuinely think she sometimes just can't help what comes out of her mouth, which... At this point, it's like, that's your issue that you got to deal with. I'm not trying to give her a pass for it. But there is a part of me that has a level of sympathy for her. Because if it's exhausting as not only the viewer and the receiver, think about how exhausting it must be for her. Right. Like she gets herself in these things because she actually, literally, if it was a medical diagnosis to have diarrhea of the mouth, she would have it. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's a lot. I also, wait, oh my God, there's so many things I want to talk about. I could spend the entire podcast just on this, I swear. And honestly, we may end up doing that. Should we? (laughs) No, I mean- Don't tempt me with a good time. I know. When they were saying to Tamara that she was more fun without Vicky there, I want to know your immediate response to that. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. 
So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over-the-counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid-free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. My immediate response is that they would have said that no matter what, because that's such an easy, classic, low-hanging fruit line to sting Vicky, but also to make Tamara maybe like take a step back from her and like go to the other side and make her feel like it's not me that's the problem. You know, it's all Vicky, but also fucking true. And how many times have we heard people say that and it been the actual case? Like Vicky, Vicky is Vicky, but specifically in these couple episodes was just like the biggest Debbie Downer of all time. And I get she was going through a lot. And of course she had to have a medical emergency because that's just what happens when she goes away. But I felt almost that Tamara in that moment realized, oh yeah, I I am acting like her babysitter and we're lumped together. We share a room, we're best friends. I defend her behavior or I sit there and don't say anything because I just chuck it up to Vicky's Vicky. But when she's gone, did I feel a little bit lighter for the last two hours? Maybe I did. Oh, absolutely. I think that Tamara, you know, on some level is very connected to Vicky emotionally and and probably has a hard time having a great time when Vicky is so clearly not. She almost feels probably responsible for making sure Vicky's happy. And that that gets old very fast, especially when part of your job is making good TV out of being playful and fun-loving. If Tamara's having fun and Vicky's not having fun, Vicky will say, you know, why aren't you, why are you having fun? Why aren't you taking care of me? Oh, I feel so bad. Come back with me. Come do this. And it's like, it's exhausting. And I get that there's sometimes that you do have to be a good friend and do that. But also in this specific sort of 
place that we're in and the way that this show works versus like an OC girls trip, it's really different. Like Tamara said, these are new girls. These are new friends. Like this is my opportunity with them. And this is my opportunity to have fun and sort of branch out. It's not like I have 15 more seasons or these are girls that I actually hang out with in my day-to-day life. It's, it's different. It's very different, but I have to imagine it is so freeing because even if these women have watched each other's seasons, in a way, it really is kind of like a breath of fresh air and an opportunity to make whatever impression that is without these preconceived notions of how you've been with your own cast. Like, think about it. That's how we felt the most with Teresa on season one. We really felt like she was going there and she could be whatever version of herself she wanted to because she didn't have to live up to the Teresa Judice reputation that her Jersey castmates expect. And think about how fun that must be as a housewife who maybe historically was pigeonholed into one view of yourself. Also, I know this goes against literally everything we've ever said on this podcast in terms of housewives who know too much or you could tell have watched previous seasons or know too much about the other women. But Eva being such a super fan of the show and having such an extensive knowledge about these women and all the different cities and how iconic and the respect level that Vicky, the OG of the OC has and moments and plot lines is so amazing. And so not annoying. And I think that it really only could be true for someone like Eva because I just fucking love her. And the way she goes about it is super cool and chill and not fangirly and not annoying. And it adds such a fun, funny layer because you have moments when she's going up to Vicky in the beginning saying, I've been a fan of you since the beginning. And Vicky's like, I have no idea who that is. Or when Jill comes in and recreates her scary island surprise and Phaedra's like, I think I know that lady. Like. The contrast of then Eva being like, oh yeah, season three, episode 11, you know, Jill Zarin, what an icon, her and Bethany. Like she fucking knows. And it's almost like we have one of us in the house acting in a way that maybe like we would act of like, yeah, I know what's up. I'm just going to keep it in the back of my mind. Well, it makes you feel seen as the viewer because you you feel like you are living through Eva's experience. Right. Oh God, I love Eva. I always really loved her, but I think even more so than her on Housewives, this environment is where she really thrives. Like she's such a girl's girl and she's so fun and such a party starter, but also a voice of reason and takes no shit. And it's just an amazing decision. I think people maybe questioned it because all of the other choices were such like early season housewives in their respective cities. And Eva came on like later in the game in Atlanta. But I'm really, really, really glad again by this genius casting decision. Yeah. And in addition to all the factors you mentioned, I think also her heightened emotional intelligence in a group that I would argue is maybe lower on on that spectrum in terms of emotional intelligence is very beneficial because she has, I think, really helped so many of the women individually. Like that conversation with Taylor And it's unfortunate that they had to bond over such a painful experience. But for Taylor to be able to connect with someone on this trip in that way, I think was huge for her. And I could say the same thing for Brandy. I think Brandy felt the safest throughout the entirety of the trip with Eva, which is why I was saying it's such a shame that that happened with the comment about her husband, because it's like, don't bite the hand that fucking feeds you. Yeah. I think they did a really good job striking the balance of ages which is very, very important. Like there's so many generations there. And like even I think Brandy was alluding to this when she was saying like, you guys don't get the way I use bitch or you don't understand this. And like there were moments where Eva I think felt that way too. Like there's very layered 
generations of not only housewives, but just ages. And I think that contributes a lot to the dynamic. I also was really not surprised, but just kind of like intrigued by Phaedra really cozying up to Brandy and feeling like this sense of protectiveness over her. Like, well, if no one's going to go up to her room, you know, I'm going to, I got to make sure that she has someone to sort of lean on. Listen, I got to be honest with you. I understand that the way that Phaedra went out of Atlanta was terrible and everything that went down with Candy was unacceptable, inexcusable, and intolerable. No part of me defends that in the slightest. So let me say that first. That being said, separately, since she is on our screens, let me tell you, nobody gives a motherfucking confessional like Phaedra Parks. That woman, and I can attest to it and so can you, being in the room with the fellow Bravo-holics when she came on that screen... She is pure reality television magic. I remember like a couple months ago when I was doing my Atlanta rewatch and I came on this podcast and said, I have a really bold statement. I think Phaedra Parks is my favorite housewife of all time. Our DMs were everyone saying, fucking agree. Every time I rewatch, she is just one of a kind. But also don't forget what's coming. And then it comes and it's such a bummer that that's how things went down. And I really honestly, you asked me this today. I don't know where they stand and if there's been an apology and whatever. But like you said, this woman was born to just sit on a chair in full glam and give her two cents because everything she says is funnier than the next. Even in the scenes, even like Taylor's coming out in black leggings and a coral tank top, and she somehow is giving her like the funniest, most descriptive compliments you've ever seen and complimenting her camel toe. And it is it's funny. And again, I think she's one of the grounding presence where everyone feels sort of connected and safe with her, which we need because, you know, you have to God have someone to turn to in these crazy moments. But also she is hilarious when, again, Jill Zard walks in and she says, oh, I think I know that lady. I, I know. <laughs> literally, I think that's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. I know. You know, the other thing about it in terms of Phaedra and Eva both providing the sense of safety to Brandy almost, and don't get me wrong, I'm trying to think of the nicest way to phrase this. Brandy didn't necessarily deserve it. Like she was out of line repeatedly pretty much the entirety of all three episodes. They just Mm -hmm. continued to give her grace, which I think was really kind. But what I found to be so interesting is like if you just started to watch, you would think based on the way it was going that Dorinda was kind of going to be that maternal figure for her. And Dorinda was going to be the one that she was going to turn to. And it very quickly switched up. I mean, Dorinda turned on her and I don't necessarily fault her, but (laughs) – It's like, I don't know how to say this because if you put up the two side by side, I'm choosing Dorinda any day of the week. Don't get me wrong. She's the one I'd rather be friends with. I find her far more rational. I think that they're in two separate categories. But there were times where I was like, can you take a step back off, Brandy? Like, why why are you being so mean? I know. I think Brandy's just always an easy target because she sticks her foot in her mouth. So it gives them on a silver platter, things to like go after her about. Like even when they were having the conversation, Tamara, Vicky, and Dorinda in that wine bar about like Dorinda felt like Vicky was just going to swoop in at Brandy no matter what she said. I almost feel like Dorinda did the same thing. And it's just sort of like the Brandy effect. I, I don't know. But the dynamics between each woman are as we get to be in the house longer, like you forget how many 
twosomes there are, you know? Like, okay, we get to see Dorinda and Brandy. Then we get to see Brandy and Taylor, which has a lot of history. But then how are Taylor and Dorinda? Like, I almost wish the web that they created in the first episode where it was like, Taylor and Tamara and Vicky know each other because now she lives in OC, explaining where they all stand. I want that same web on the last episode. By the way, I want that same web always for any aspect of my life. Like, (laughs) (laughs) regular celebrity, reality TV people in my own life. Just imagine you're you're trying to connect the dots and you have a a Bravo-style diagram that comes up connecting everyone. That's the best thing ever. That's like kind of some Black Mirror ship. It feels very useful. Narrated by Dorinda Medley. Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? That is my porn. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Just going back to Phaedra for one second, something about Phaedra sleeping in the fish room is just (laughs) absolutely magical. Luann could never. Like, if Luann could embrace the fish room in the way that Phaedra did, we just have a different lives in front of ourselves, you know? I think I think also, just back to the editing, like, even little things. Like, they're pointing arrows, Jill talking to herself again as Jill's walking upstairs saying, okay, I'm going to wash my face and go to sleep. But I also think the use of the flashbacks, there's a lot of them, but they are so good. Like, they are not giving us a flashback unless it's one of the best moments in Housewives history. And the amount of references and little needs things that obviously we remember, but seeing it again does not hurt me at all. I am just, it's the, the nostalgia element of this is so not something I really, really was expecting. I thought like, okay, let's just see how these crazy women who used to be housewives are. But 
between the flashbacks and also the breaking of the fourth wall in a lot of ways about them talking about their time being on Housewives or when Brandy is trying to stop Jill from saying something about her dad when they're playing that game and she's like, you know, we're on national television. And Dorinda's like, yeah, we've all been on reality TV before. Like actually understanding how Housewives and being on TV plays a part in their lives and the way that they operate and also like who they are as people is it really not something I ever even really was thinking about, but it's so, it's so good. It's so good. I mean, with that particular moment, just to go back to that, that's what I was saying about Dorinda really coming down hard on Brandy at times unnecessarily. Like, yes, I understand you orchestrated this game and you feel like everybody here understands reality TV. Of course they do. At the same time, how are you going to fault Brandy for just trying to protect Jill from potentially saying something regrettable about her father. I mean, that is like, in the scheme of things that Brandy does, that cannot be something that upsets you. No, it wasn't. She wasn't doing anything actually malicious. That's just a classic Dorinda not liking when anybody rocks the boat or changes her plans or almost takes charge, especially when it's in her own home. And by Brandy doing that, she then felt it was a personal attack of like, you're making us play this game and reveal too much, like you're setting us up. And when that, obviously no one was saying that that was her intention. It was just a night that really quickly went from them throwing little rings onto inflatable dicks to tell us about your childhood trauma or what would you change about your father? Like really want, want. And she could tell that Jill was maybe about to open up and has known that there are consequences when you start talking about your family and get involved in a really vulnerable moment. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, like her intention wasn't bad, but maybe her delivery wasn't the best, but also like that was on Dorinda after a couple martinis. Yeah. And I would say that even for me, who really thinks that New York has significantly suffered by the absence of Dorinda, I was just aware through watching these episodes that the Dorinda we get in the confessionals is not necessarily the Dorinda we get in the actual show because once alcohol is involved, it really does change things for her, as it does for most people. I mean, she's not unique in that sense, but she just gets a little bit more biting. And I think that the reason I was taken by it is that when she's sober for the most part, I think she's very maternal, very caring. And if I'm Brandy, I'm... I don't know. I guess maybe I'm a little bit shaken at how quickly that turns. But again, Brandy is no saint. Do not get me wrong. I don't expect anyone to keep their calm in the face of such erratic behavior. I'm just saying, I think Dorinda went a little hard at times. I'm sure most people will disagree with me. That's okay. Just my opinion. And also the added layer of being uncomfortable because it's like, oh, I'm also in her house. Like, is there a level of respect? Or are we all just really equals that are using the house? You know, it's it's really, it's kind of shaky, but it it reminds you that Dorinda hasn't necessarily changed. Like maybe that's just who she is. I think she was at a particularly darker time in the, her last season of Housewives. But like two of the things that I felt were so vulnerable and funny about the show itself and Peacock being just like such good funny sports and knowing what would be good TV was one, all of the clips of them talking about Dorinda being on, quote, pause, because Andy called her and told her, like, she's going to be on pause, and all of them chiming in and be like, no, 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 we've all been there. That's called being fired. Nobody's on pause, but you made that up. Pause isn't a thing. Like, giving their legit reactions and, like I said, breaking that fourth wall. And second, when they try to recreate the Scary Island Jill thing, you know, they're all sitting by the pool having pedicures, and Jill walks in you know, giving her hi. And they're all like, what? Eva's like, I thought it was mimosas coming for us. Like no one, 
got it. No one knew who she was. No one got it. No one really cared. And no one knew the reference. And clearly it was a production thing that was such a flop, but that made it better. Like it was better than even if they had all understood it fully. I am honestly glad that they didn't. That's what I'm saying. The fourth wall breaks were endless and it was so enjoyable. For them to have permission to talk about the show as the show is addicting. And I guess yes. we, I, I guess honestly, that magic would be lost if they were able to do that in regular housewives. Like the reason we like it so much is because the novelty has not worn off on it. But eventually, you know, if they started to film all housewives like that, I guess we just get used to it. And I don't want to get used to it. I like this feeling. I like when they give it to me in a limited series of this one spinoff because I can really take it in. I mean, like, not to sound dramatic, I was the happiest I was this entire week, hands down, watching these three episodes. Hands down. And by the way, this isn't the show that I would show to a Bravo virgin because your experience is significantly enhanced if you have the references. Like, you need the nostalgia to really get it. But let me tell you something. Julie sitting next to us, who genuinely knows nothing, was having the time of her motherfucking life. And she was picking up on a lot of context clues. She was cracking up. And also, again, like the editing, explaining everything and the references back, it gives you that taste. Yeah, it's way more fun when you have lived through the niche humor and understand like the dynamics and the complex relationships, but it is so good. And I can't believe we've only got three episodes. Like I am obsessed with this fucking show. And like the idea of it being past housewives who are almost sort of so out of it. It's like, think about when you, I don't know, like when you're, once you leave a sorority or once you leave a job, when you're in it, you really care about it and you never would want to reveal the secrets or talk shit because you're so involved in it. But then after a couple years, like you're giving out, you know, what the secret handshake is, or you're spilling the secrets about what goes really goes down in the office or things that you kind of fucked up on because you don't care anymore. It's like, oh, whatever. It's it's over now. So they sort of have nothing to lose and have such a carefree attitude about all of it, but still are who they are at their core, which makes absolutely the best television of all time. Well, I actually thought an interesting point that Brandy made is when she said that she feels like Vicky and Tamara are still to quote in housewives like they have mm. been let go of the show more recently than she has and i was really trying to process that and i don't know how i feel about them specifically but in general i think that that is an accurate statement i think the more time that goes on you know the less of the playbook you feel you need to subscribe to i also think it's dependent woman by woman of how much of their personality was about being a housewife and how much they really cared about it versus it being a job or a phase in their life or what some fun experience that they had versus like, I do feel like Vicky and Tamara, because they were on it so long and because they were really on it from the beginning of the franchise, have made it like who they are. So they always will care about it maybe in a different way than someone like Brandy or someone like Eva or I don't know, who just have dipped their toe in it and they were on it and it obviously gave them so many opportunities and like made them quote celebrities and change the trajectory of their lives. But it's not like at their core who they are as people. And I feel like Vicky and Tamara, even though they're off the show, are still very, very involved and care about that feeling. Like they're the alumni who still care so much and would never share the sorority handshake. And they go back every year to visit and they wouldn't say no to any alumni fundraiser or whatever. Like that's the best example I can give because I just feel like that's the way they are. Like they are the involved exes. 
Right. But to me, no part of that is embarrassing. I love it. No, I'm like, I, no, right. it's just different. Right. I, I appreciate that they hold on so tight to their housewife identity because to me, I'm hopeful that we're going to get Tamara back. Vicky, listen, I get it. Vicky is not my cup of tea in terms of somebody I would be friends with. We have opposite belief systems. That scene with Dorinda and the unicorn through me. Like, I, clearly in that particular argument, I am team Dorinda. I respect everyone's opinions, but I do not at all align with Vicky. That being said, you can't look me in the eye and tell me she's not good TV. She, the woman is, the woman is crazy. So, she's, she's unhinged. That's the thing. I feel that it's very hard when putting together a cast to make sure that every single person has, you know, all of the attributes that you would want in a person or a friend. Like it's, it's just not the case. You need some of these firecrackers with belief systems you don't at all align with in order to have a point of disagreement. And Vicky, I feel over the years was always very interesting and just a funny outgoing character, but she's also gotten like a little crazier and more delusional as time goes on. So her quirks are just that much more sort of out there and everything about her. You're right. She's so herself and doesn't give a fuck about how she comes across, but also cares more than anything about how she comes across. And it's it's really like, I, you just can't believe that someone like this was just randomly cast on a show all those years ago and is still this much fun to watch. It's like, it's they struck gold. It's actually unbelievable. This is a good show. If you do one thing this week, watch these episodes. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this, you have watched because that would be miserable to listen to if you hadn't. But <laughs> I, yeah, I just I have nothing. I have nothing but kind things to say. What I mean, we and miss what. There's so much to say. Like I know we're missing stuff. I know, and it's funny because, like I said before in the beginning about how it's kind of gone into real life. Um, Dorinda and Vicky not on good terms because Vicky called Dorinda's house old and they got into this whole thing. And then Vicky made comments um, with an, in an interview with Bryce Sander on Entertainment Tonight about how she doesn't like Teddy because I think overall she's jealous that Tamara hosts the Two Teas in a Pod podcast with Teddy and that they're buddy, buddy, best friends. And then that turned into a whole Twitter war between Teddy and Vicky commenting back and forth and saying how much they don't like each other and t and Teddy posting how she's so supportive of Tamara because like she's not jealous and it, I mean obviously Vicky's in the center of all of it because naturally but it is funny it was funny to see them in person all interacting but it's also just funny of now how these dynamics where it was unheard of for housewives across cities to be fighting in this way I mean I remember when we were at BravoCon and they did that squash that beef segment there were some funny ones, but they were pretty light and they were pretty like, oh, at this Bravo event or on Twitter, you said this, like small things. But now there are cross-city fucking wars going on. It is the greatest thing ever. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> Teddy Mellencamp and Vicky Gumbelson was not on my bingo card. That was really not one no, that I saw coming. No, 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 no. I mean, they are on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of what they brought to their respective shows. And it's it's every, everything is better than the next. I love being here. I would not want to be anywhere else, quite frankly. When the third episode finished today when I was watching, I actually felt like so, so upset. I felt empty. I, 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 I don't know what to do. What do we do now? And getting three in one day wasn't enough. What are we going to do now every Thursday when we only get one? Well, that's what I'm saying. They really do kind of blue ball you slightly. <laughs> In the words of it's Pedro true. Parks. It's oh. so true. God, it's so good. It's so good. I just, wow. 
I want everyone to write right now as you're listening to this, DM us like a funny one-liner or moment that we didn't talk about that you thought was like the best thing ever or that was the funniest moment because I want to relive them all. Like I feel like we just like left and I want to hear what everyone else thought was good. I mean, are you kidding me? The the lasagna competition and then they're all oh. rating it. Like, <laughs> And Brandy's mad because Dorinda has like Len and all the chefs and she's mad that she took her chunk of cheese and her celery. It's like you can't write this shit. All of a sudden, I get a text from Emma, not Marco having a confessional. <laughs> no. when, when Marco gave his confessional in the dark, I thought I was going to lose it. I was audibly laughing. That was some funny ass shit. I mean, oh, they are just on it. Or when, when Dorinda's struggling to get a word in edgewise because Marco keeps stealing her spotlight at the <laughs> relay race. Like, he's like, she's like, Marco. Oh, oh God. Incredible, incredible, incredible. And I would not change a thing. I'm so happy it happened. I'm happy it happened in the way that it happened. Thank you, Peacock, for having us there. I swear to you, by the way, as always, this section is not sponsored. We are making zero dollars from Peacock for supporting the show. <laughs> but like I will pay I will pay them to watch right. it. <laughs> exactly. I will pay you. Take my money. I will watch the whole season in one sitting and then cry about it. Yeah. All right. Let's let's transition out of this. But God was that fun. Amazing. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. 
I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. How good does it feel to be back in Charleston? So good. I wasn't necessarily like missing or craving Southern charm, but the minute that they were all back on my screen, I was just so, so happy to be here. It was like they never left. Never. So before getting into anything else, I want to immediately discuss this timeline because I think there's a lot of confusion and a few discrepancies, and I would like us to all kind of process this as a group and see where we land. Is that okay with you? Yeah. I mean, I've been Nancy Drew trying to figure this out, so I'd love to break it down and also hear what anyone else has to say because this is really quite a mystery. Yeah. So the information we have here is a combination of social media posts, timelines we obviously are familiar with, things we found out from the show, and then also things that Craig said on Watch What Happens last night. So everyone just take a seat and let's dissect this together. In order to do so, I want to go back to fall 2017 for a second because this is when Naomi and Craig break up. We fast forward four years to February 2021. That's when Winterhouse is filming. As we know, Craig is with Natalie, Paige is with Andrea. May 2021 is when Craig confirms his breakup with Natalie. He does so on the Pillows and Beer podcast with Austin. July 2021, so about a year ago, is when Summerhouse starts filming. As we know, Craig and Paige are hooking up, not exclusive. He comes to the house a few times. She's hooking up with Andrea a little bit. There's the Kristen Cavallari situation. At the time of filming, they are not exclusive. July 13th is when Naomi posts on Instagram about her breakup with Matul. So I want to pause for a second because this is when it gets really interesting. As we know, August 6th is Catherine's actual birthday. And last night of the premiere of Southern Charm, it was centered around her birthday. So we can figure that this was filmed sometime around then. Who knows if it was a little bit before, a little bit after. Either way, within a month of August 6th. The reason this is all very interesting is last night on Watch What Happens, Andy was going over the timeline with Craig, and Craig said that he slept with Naomi at the end of June, which I think naturally just raised a couple of eyebrows because number one, as we know, he apparently hooked up with Naomi in Vegas. The Vegas trip was August 1st, according to Leva's Instagram, first of all. And second of all, Naomi didn't even announce the breakup with Matul until July 13th. So... I think the initial reaction from the public is that the hookup with Naomi was probably more like the end of July, but Craig is probably trying to move the timeline up a little bit to make himself look a little better. Although technically it's not like he was cheating on Paige. They weren't exclusive until September, but it just feels slightly murky. It does feel murky. I mean, look, at this point, him and Paige are so serious and it's all like semantics, but He's got to know that everyone's going to figure it out. Like all of the evidence is everywhere. And I think he probably figured if it was earlier in the summer, that meant him and Paige were a couple months earlier into their seriousness. So maybe it would hurt less, maybe for her, maybe for everyone, the optics of it. I don't really know. But overall, I am so obsessed with this whole narrative that him and Naomi hooked up at all, that they were in Vegas, that there's any of this overlap. And also this conversation about her wanting to like immediately get back with him and him being like, whoa, 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 that is not what I'm interested in. Yeah. 
let me be really clear. I actually don't think the timeline matters at all. At this point, Paige and Craig are so far along in their relationship that it really is water under the bridge. Yeah. I think he just feels like at this point, he wants to soften the blow as much as possible. And I don't think he's embarrassed about it, but I think he's kind of like, oh, this is a moment where when you live your life on the show, you move past things for a year and then you have to relive it. And sometimes it kind of sucks. I am so on your page about loving this Naomi plotline because it adds an element of nostalgia to the show. Like we know her and Craig's history very well. We lived through it basically. So to just watch them navigate this at the same time, you know that in current day, him and Paige are going very, very strong. So we know what ends up happening, but to then watch it play out in the reverse with the stakes being low is really fun. Yeah. I was not expecting that. I was happy for her to be back even if they had not spoken since they broke up, just for the like awkward tension and the history, whatever. But for this to have happened, I'm sorry, it's absolute gold. And also the added element of Craig doesn't just have a new girlfriend. Like, yeah, that would be, you know, interesting to watch. But he has a girlfriend that we like know and care about and see the other side from her perspective and get to hear her narrate it on a whole different show. It's really, really a unique dynamic. And I think it is keeping Southern Charm sort of linked to the other shows in a way because with Housewives, they all are naturally linked. But with this, now it's like this whole Bravo universe web that I'm really – I'm really loving, and I just think the dynamics are incredible. Well, it's kind of crazy that as far as we're concerned, and I'm sure there were many other instances that we just didn't know about, but as far as we're concerned, the three key women in Craig's life at this time are three people that we've gotten to know very well on our TVs. Like it's Paige, who we obviously adore, Kristen Cavallari, the OG reality star that we've you know known and idolized since we were kids, and then Naomi, who we also became very familiar with through previous seasons. What are the odds of that? Typically, when you hear people as love interests being discussed, We don't know much about them. It's like kind of wild that every single person who's a contributing factor here is someone that we have some understanding of. It's really fun. It's really fun. And I I think it was, was it Watch What Happens Last Night when they were just talking about how incestuous the entire town is? And it really is. Like I'm looking at Catherine's party and I'm like, wow, you guys are so involved. And then Madison LaCroix walks in. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. Olivia... (laughs) she, I felt for her in that moment. Same. It's funny because I was listening to Paige on her podcast and she was saying that she was watching the JLo documentary and talking about A-Rod being edited out. And she's like, you know, it's kind of funny because in a long like butterfly effect way, it's kind of Craig Conover's fault that they're not together anymore. (laughs) And I was like, oh my (laughs) God, you are so right. Talk about all the universes being connected. I mean, that is really, that is really all of our different facets of pop culture, like combining. I loved that time. You know, not to compare because it's different, but there's parts of me that feel similarly about Catherine Dennis that I do to Brandy, where it's like, I know you don't want to be like this. And why do you keep falling into this pattern? It's like, I think she's so past it and over it. And then she can't help herself. You're right. It's so Brandy Glanville. I know. And there's no way that she wakes up the next morning and is happy with the way she handled that situation with Caleb, for example. But it's just... God, it's so hard for her to get out of that pattern, and it's frustrating and almost saddening as the viewer. Can we talk about the dynamic of the boys now? Because it 
makes a lot of sense where they stand, but it also really saddens me. Yeah. I mean, listen, as we saw last night on Watch What Happens, Craig and Shep are fine. I I think what saddens me is that on some level, none of them feel like they can really tell each other their deepest, darkest secrets because they don't trust that in a moment of tension, they're not going to weaponize that. I know. It's particularly sad when it comes to Craig and Austin because I really do think that they have like a brotherly love. And when you listen to them on their podcast, I've spoken about this too, even when Paige was on, to hear her closeness to Austin and that kind of relationship is really important to have in your life. So for Austin to be such a fucking dick and not able to prioritize his friendships over getting gossip or having a really good point or winning an argument is so annoying. And with Shep, it's hard because all these years he was making fun of Craig for not being good enough and all of these things. And now the plot is that he's jealous of him. It's so twisted in a way. I mean, by the way, I'm good for Craig. I'd much rather him feel jealous than like walked all over. But I I don't know. I just it's like it's hard because they're transitioning in their lives and I want them to all be happy, but also it creates a lot of bumps in the road and figuring out where their friendship can fit in. Wait, I want to talk about the scene when Craig is talking to Pringle and he says that it was him, Austin, and Paige. And in the moment of heat, Austin basically says, oh, well, what if I told Paige that you slept with Natalie? It's inexcusable behavior. Like personally, if that's me, there's no way that I can then reenter that place of safety with a friend. Yeah. No, it's it's really messed up. It's really messed up. Like, I, I want. I agree with you. I want them to be friends. I think it is so fun to watch their dynamic. But how do you go back to that when you know that – at the end of the day, it's every man for themselves. Yeah. It's it's hard because you can't ever be your full self or have a full friendship. I don't remember if it was Craig or Austin, but we saw a preview where one of them was talking to Taylor about her relationship with Shep, almost coming at it from a place of concern. What was your reaction to that? I feel like it's a conversation that always happens with whoever Shep is with. And specifically now where they were speaking about heading in a more serious direction and if he's ready for that or if he'll ever be ready for that, I I don't know. But now knowing the state of the guy's friendship, I almost am not so quick to believe it's coming from like an amazing, loving, caring place and almost maybe more of a place of wanting to stir up drama or really get to the bottom of things for like a gossipy reason, which is hard, it's hard when you're not sure of their intentions, but I'm obviously – so excited to see what happens and where it goes because I love them together, but I also think there are a lot of underlying issues or things that are not being discussed between the two of them. Well, I, you know, in the previews that we saw where it was him talking to her rather unkindly, I can't say that I had seen that previously. And so obviously that's now something I'm going to be super tuned into when watching this season because, you know, she deserves to feel nothing but fully respected. And if not, then that's an issue. I just hadn't really registered that that much. Yeah, me either. I need to go back to the Craig, Naomi, and Paige thing for a second because obviously you know where I stand on it. I love Craig and Paige together. I loved her on that episode. It felt like a Disney Channel crossover, like all of the above. But what do you think Naomi's true understanding of the situation was when she walked into that party? Because if you really don't know, if if she didn't have the full understanding that Paige was going to be there and didn't really get that they were exclusive in the way that they are, that's like a fucking gut punch. I know, especially now knowing that she was not just hooking up with Craig for the same kind of fun way that he was. She really still does have feelings and and feels the weight of the history that they have to, to the two of them. So I felt like it was a gut punch. I mean, they gave each other a very friendly hello, her and Paige, but 
I don't really know what her understanding was. I don't remember what they were posting on social. It's not like she was watching Summer House because it's happening in real time, like a month before this is ha- this is happening. But I'm curious to see like next week after when they recap the party, if she'll give her description to like Leva when Leva says, how was it seeing Craig and Paige together? What her feeling was in that moment. Right. And I hope that she'll be vulnerable with the cameras to say, you know what? That was a little bit upsetting to me because it is. And also you have to remember what relationship she was coming out of. As she said, mm-hmm. towards the end of her relationship with Matul, she really felt like a lesser version of herself. You know, he was not a suitable partner for her in terms of making her feel good and making her feel respected and empowered. Like he really made her feel small. And so I think especially coming off of that, this situation can be painful. And it's no one's fault necessarily. It just sucks. Yeah. But that's the thing about hooking up with an ex. Like there is just always a gray area. And I mean, <laughs> you know, I have done it a million times and I'm sure I will do it a million more times in the future. There's something about that familiarity that's very comforting, but it can get messy. Yeah. Especially in this situation. I mean, it's mess all around. Yeah. Mess all around. I mean, I think this started us off on a really fun note. I'm so excited for next week. And as always, my biggest takeaway from this was if you watched Andy on Watch What Happens last night, he even said, he's like, this is my happiest place, which is the comment we always make about him when he's with either the Southern Charm or Summerhouse kids. And it was like, he was peaking. Yeah. He's like, I love that I can give you guys so much shit. It's the best night. He's so casual, so laid back. And it's it's my happiest place too. In terms of Beverly Hills in Atlanta, I feel like we need to practice what we preached last week here about just picking and choosing every week, which are the superior episodes. And Ultimate Girls Trip and Southern Charm, as far as I'm concerned, there's no competition. How did you feel? I thought they were good episodes. They were funny. They moved the plot along. I think Beverly Hills had a little bit more of a lighthearted core of the episode of them on the boat, which is what we needed. And I think with Atlanta, you know, we got to see a little bit more of Sonya's personality. We get to learn more about Marlo, but I don't think they were necessarily something that we need to really break down in detail. They were good, not great, and certainly not conversation worthy enough over Southern Charm and Ultimate Girls Trip, which I could probably talk about exclusively for the rest of my life. I mean, in terms of Atlanta, to me, hands down, the biggest takeaway was the Marlo plot. That yeah. was some that was some real deep shit. The way that she cares for those boys as if they are her own is so heartwarming. And it's obviously such an unfortunate situation that she, you know, needs to be in that role because of the unfortunate, you know, situation that her sister is in. But to see that and then contrasted also with the work that she's doing for kids in the foster care system. I have a lot of respect for Marlo. I feel like so much of the time our conversation when talking about her is dominated by the killer confessionals that she gives and the shade that she can bring. But there is a lot of depth to her as a person and I really, really do respect her. Same. And I think that's why it's so important that she got a peach this season because previously we only saw her in those shady moments or when it was within a group situation and how she could bring drama. We knew these things about her because clearly they're important details of her life. But now having her get the screen time to actually explain the situation deeper and get a look inside of her house and what her everyday life is, going from being, you know, just taking care of herself and being a one-woman show to all of a sudden having two teenage sons is 
it's pretty remarkable. And I'm glad that we are getting to know her in this way and see all these different facets of her life. Yeah, no, I I, I really, really enjoy it. I would watch Marlo do pretty much anything. Yeah, Sam. I mean, in terms of Beverly Hills, like you said, lighthearted, nothing crazy to talk about here. Erica, there's, there's some shit going on. I mean, I can't lie to you. Obviously, as the viewer, she's entertaining. I would be lying if I said to you it's not slightly concerning the alcohol being mixed with clearly some of these prescription drugs. I know it's a one-off. This doesn't happen to her all the time. I understand shit happens. I just, you know, I don't think it's necessarily something to endorse. I feel also from the trailer and what we've seen that this is becoming like a thing. So this felt like the first footstep down this plot line and maybe her opening up about it more. But she does like to talk a lot about her medications and drugs and how that's changed her and almost make it like the punchline of every joke. And yeah, I I can't lie. It was really funny seeing her lay on that couch and talk about her old boat called the illegal, which is just so ironic and all of this stuff, but her friends weren't concerned at that moment. So I don't feel concerned, but it's dark. When you think about what's going on in her life and then on top of it, these medications that she keeps talking about on top of it, drinking more than she ever has before, you know, you can't help but see that there is a darker side to this hilarious moment. And also next week you're, you aren't going to be recording with me, right? I I will have another co-host. Is that the plan? Yeah. Okay. So I'll be alive. Isabel. <laughs> I love when we make our plans on air. Basically, Isabel's <laughs> going to be away next next week, and we're not sure of the Wi-Fi situation. So most likely I will have a, a different co-host. Obviously, Julie doesn't watch Bravo, so it can't be Julie. But I was thinking, because I don't want to do this right now, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's like a diehard Bravo watcher, and we have very differing opinions on the cast, like pretty much opposite. He mm-hmm. does not like our in the way that I do. He cannot stand Kyle. I obviously adore Kyle, like just very, very different. And I was thinking, I almost want to bring that up with whoever I have as the co-host to get a totally different opinion, because you and I at times are almost too aligned. So just yeah. to hear... What just to hear what what people would would think of uh, that rundown, because I was taken aback when when he was. I love outlining. That. I love a was. little controversy. <laughs> Thank you, but yeah, I loved it. Happy to be here. So grateful for Ultimate Girls Trip. Cannot wait for next week, and we love the fuck out of you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And there's no one in the world I would rather be than Captain Bravo with you. Love you. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.